It's funny because your first episode was like the first song episode. Yeah. We hadn't had any songs before you. I loved <laughs> the song so much. I still haven't had a song. It's like there's rehearsals and I don't know when they're happening. It's our second most popular thing after Panda Talk. No, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first girlfriend turned into a homunculus. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guest today is returning champion. I always say that whenever there's a returning guest, but whatever, I like it anyway. Returning champion, please welcome back to the show, YouTube essayist and video editor, Samuel Davis. Thank you so much. Ooh. I'm a champion of nothing. <laughs> Are you part lion? <laughs> <laughs> the lion is a noble animal in the animal kingdom. <laughs> Whatever this episode says about the Ruthless. Lion. We'll it's all about it. survival of the fittest. This is a fitting speech. I know you can trust me. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Samuel Davis, heart of the lion. This is very funny because I watch your video so much that I'm just expecting you to be like, Matrix, give us another fact. <laughs> hey guys, who wants a fun Doctor Who fact? Just derail the conversation. Wait, wait, wait. I actually had a question for you, Doctor Who related question. <laughs> it's the quickest conversation ender in the world. Real quick. <laughs> if you could have Edward be a companion, Edward or Al be a companion to one doctor, who would it be? Oh my God. Uh, well, they're both little kids, so... For good reasons or bad reasons, I'd pair them with the Matt Smith Doctor. You know, he's mm. a bit yeah, dodgy. I feel like Edward <laughs> would hate Eleven so much. Eleven would yeah. start talking and I would just be like, no. Hey guys, how about that Doctor Who, huh? These two don't know what we're talking about. The Doctor know, Who fantastic show. Please watch it, folks. My obsession with Doctor Who is well documented, but let's get going because this week's episode is Combined Strength. It was directed by Shuji Miyahara, who directed Death of the Undying, Homunculus, and one more after this. It was written by Michihiro Tsushihia, who wrote 15 total episodes, and this is his penultimate episode. So we're getting close to the end there. And let's get things started as we always do by doing our recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21 second recap of this week's episode. And that person will be decided by the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's our guest, Samuel. So let's roll the dice. And they have to do it in song. Woo! No, Why'd you say rolls? that? Because it just, it rolled one. It's me. <laughs> Why did you say that? And three, two, one. Alphonse and Pride and, and Kimberly have a fight. Kimberly gets bitten. Pride eats Kimberly. They all run away thanks to Yoki. Meanwhile, Olivier and, uh, and Alex are still fighting Slav, and that's all going on. And then Roy finds Ed in the downstairs basement. And that's it? Okay, that's it. You did it in 14 seconds. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. Did I miss anything? Because that's why I don't go, because I'm too good at it. I mean, what did you miss? I mean, the lion guy came back from the dead. And I mean, there's like some like... I mentioned that. Oh. The mannequin soldiers start invading everywhere. That's I it, mean, really. I mean, we just sort of touched base with everything. It was about the action and the... Hmm. It's an Alphonse episode. Is it, though? Oh, well, we'll <laughs> is it an Alphonse episode? We need to talk about the moral question in this episode and how bad it is. <laughs> a little bit of setup. <laughs> so last week's episode, Arthur wasn't here, but last week we talked about the moment where Alphonse decided it was okay to use Philosopher's Stone. And because Arthur wasn't here, he didn't really see our conversation about it, which was the justification Alphonse is given and accepts for using the Philosopher's Stone is flimsy at best and sweaty at worst. Like, it doesn't really connect for with sure. his character. And it comes across as something where you're like, you know, shouldn't have Alphonse been like, 
even if I agree with what you're saying, I still will not use the Philosopher's Stone because of my morals. And it just seems like they wanted to give him a Philosopher's Stone for this battle. And it really seems like they wanted to give a Philosopher's Stone for this battle. Having seen the battle, it just seems like that's what they wanted to do. Yep, it was pretty cool. The justification was a little flimsy, especially coming from random Lion Man. <laughs> like, you have a main character who's going through a big moral qualm. And then just a random guy who's like, don't worry, Do it's it. okay. <laughs> because I, the lion, know that you're a good person, really. And he's like, you're right. But Lion Man pulled his weight so hard this episode that it's like he was there from season one. In a weird yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Like you're going to go back and you're going to see the lion was there when they did the transportation. The <laughs> like, lion Man had such an incredible payoff this episode that you forget that he wasn't set up ever. <laughs> Like Lion Man and Panaco at the old, it's like dancing around the fire in that weird cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> Lions are a brilliant source of wisdom. But it feels like every time I come on this show, I have to be the contrarian devil's advocate. No, please, I... please. That's why we bring guests. Yeah. Exactly. I love the decision that Alphonse has to like deal with in this episode so much. I think more stories need to offer the protagonist. He needs to be given a perfectly reasonable way out and I think more stories could benefit from doing that. The original goal of the series is right there, but it's incomparable to the finale staging which means that even in our own narrative the character has to grow up and step up. I can only think of stories like The Promised Neverland or Doctor Who that really do that. That's how you know that we're not doing some shonen shtick. We're not doing <laughs> conventional shonen tropes. He's not saying, forget my body. I need to save everyone. Like, he's being determined and selfish. Well, I just want to say, like, we don't take issue with the fact that he's using a Philosopher's Stone, I don't think. It makes sense that he would in this situation. The issue is that the way they're morally setting it up, it's a consequence-free use of the stone. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card on something that they've been setting up as a moral, you know, no-no zone. A no-no. You know what I mean? A no-no. The trick was, is to do it with consequence, is to do it knowing full well that he's kind of breaking his own principles in order to win, which is a lot more meaningful, you know what I mean, in his character and what he's, you know, it, it would mean something. But right now, it just sort of felt like... We want to have this happen, but we don't want you to think that Al is being compromised morally in any way. And I think that kind okay. of hurt damages how impactful that moment could have been, you know? I want to jump on that and say you can kind of see the writer realizing that as the fight happens because they have Kimberly go, why don't you just use the stone to bring back your body? Because there's really no difference between using it to fight us and using it to bring back your bodies. First of all... Where that was not a thing. It's like they could have set that up, but they didn't really set it up. They had everything they needed to kind of set up that kind of attention. And then they mentioned it like after the fact in a weird way. And it was like, I agree that that's a false <laughs> choice. And I also agree that where this comes from is weird in the form of the line guy. What I do connect with is the philosophy of Philosopher's Stones itself, because that is something that is evolving over the course of the show is the degree to which souls are people or not and whether they have wills or not. Using those souls in a benevolent context is different from using it in a selfish context. But the problem the Eric brothers have with the stone is that it's being created by inherently human means. Right, I agree. And this, I guess, is the counter argument to that because it's like, we don't want to use a philosopher's stone because it's made of human souls and people are killed to make it and that's bad then the counter argument is the souls within a philosopher's stone are still people 
and if you use them to perhaps save other people from having the same fate as those souls, then it's cool. It's cool now. If I may, counterpoints. I think it's a choice that feels like a false choice in a narrative. I think it really is as simple as Kimberly offering our main characters a way out. Just saying, you can cut and run. And I love the simplicity of that. And I love the unending optimism of Alphonse just saying, no, I'm going to do both. And I don't care if it is selfish. And I think although the episode doesn't really emphasize or linger on it because we're in the middle of a fight scene, Alphonse isn't taking the moral high ground in this at all. He's not doing the shonen stock material. He's saying getting my body back really does matter to me still. I'm going to bring back a point Mike made. And I think oh. I finally have the perfect answer for it. If you <laughs> walked in and you saw a prepared veal on the table, would you just let it go to waste? And I feel like, and I feel no, like, I, mean, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> I don't have a problem with the usage. I have a problem with the conception. And I think that the stand Michelle is making is actually completely legitimate, like both morally and logically. The complication I add to that scenario is. The veal looks up at you and says, please eat me. It's what I want. <laughs> In this metaphor, you're sitting there, you're about to eat the veal, and a lion guy runs into the room and yells at <laughs> yeah, you. A random lion runs into the room and is like, don't worry, you can eat that. I can't talk to this veal, but I bet if I could, it would want you to eat it. <laughs> I'm part it lion. <laughs> yeah. Don't you yeah. remember me from season one? <laughs> he thinks it's his series he thinks he's the main character it's his problem uh yeah you know what? i'm a fan of the lion's arc <laughs> <laughs> he like fully dies and then dr marco brings him back is that what happened yeah the budget has just gone through the roof uh mm -hmm. these past few episodes there's some really cool shots dr marco like clutching the stone looking all like haggard and cool as the smoke clears that was such a cool shot we need to talk about that fight choreography it's beautiful i think it's so amazing bold. how could you set a new precedent for battle animation in the opening acts of the finale that takes <laughs> guts this fight really just uses stuff that we've seen before in a new light i love the bit where kimberly throws the rocks into the air and uses that to find alphonse that was like oh right of course he can do that that's great <laughs> that's awesome and then kimberly gets chomped Oh, I know. Oh, that was great. Kimberly gets fully chomped. Super it's great so moments. It's so unceremonious. It's so unceremonious. He deserved that in every way. He deserved an unremarkable death, 100%. Mm. And he dies by his own philosophy. It's not quite I, death. I like that he gets chomped in a way where he can't talk. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's fun. because, because, he, because he, he, he just won't shut up the whole yeah. show. That's why I you, like you love that about him. But like, I think it works. And just have pride standing over him being like, yeah, lion's teeth are pretty sharp, huh? And he's like, gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> so does that mean Pride has a Philosopher's Stone in him now? I don't, you know, is, it, is Pride like jacked right now? Like, is Pride... Pride, Pride is for sure a Philosopher's Stone already. Just, yeah. just, the, just the jack body and the little Pride head on top. <laughs> I mean, he's like, like two homunculi. He's two prime homunculi and a Kimberly with a Philosopher's Stone. That's a lot of yeah. stuff going on, right? Like, wild prediction. Pride, in the end, fucks everything up. Father's winning, and pride eats father, and then it causes everything to get fucked up. It is cool when villains betray other villains. That's always fun. What are you? Are you telling me that I'm right now? Are you saying that I'm right? <laughs> yeah, 
Mike was right about Hunheim. Mike was right. <laughs> anyway. Callback. Even I get that one. And I'm still kind of wondering why they call it a mestress, the wife of Xerxes. You know? Oh my god. Oh my Just god. get over that, please. I'm begging you. I'm <laughs> okay. telling you, I told you before, that is not a thing from the show. They don't care about that. Interesting little coincidence. <laughs> my favorite Kimberly line before he gets his throat ripped out is um why don't you flee with the philosopher's stone says a guy who sat in prison with one I for seven years <laughs> why doesn't he just flee at any time it's, it's hypocritical to say the least yeah good point good point then yoki comes full circle Hits pride with his car. Rams a child, <laughs> full on. Yeah. He doesn't full know that. Sends a child soaring through the air with his car. That's my favorite bit in the episode. Lion Guy is like, good job, Yoki. And we're like, finally, Yoki has Lion Guy's respect. <laughs> We've got Ed fighting the Immortal Legion. And the like OP plays in the middle of the episode randomly. That made me feel like the episode was ending. It did feel like it was ending, but it was the OP instead of the end P. And uh, yeah, it's that not was, a dramatic moment or anything. It's actually the most inconsequential moment in the episode. So I guess they decided it needed some more flair. It's very strange. It was like a fight montage. So my first girlfriend turned between... into a homunculus. It's another episode of Full Metal Analyst. Welcome to oh. our show where three writers analyze each and every it's episode confusing. of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> I'm Michelle. Yeah, I'm. I'm Arthur. I, like no, why are we start? Oh, uh, you're starting the episode. It, you're doing the, our OP in the middle of our episode. Yes, I am. <laughs> Wackety schmackety schmoo. That threw oh, me trickster. even more. That made me feel insecure <laughs> and scared. No. Yeah, and like why? You know why do that then? You know it was just me talking. It wasn't even a big moment. Exactly. <laughs> it was kind of a cool cutting between the three fights because we have the three fights all happening simultaneously in this episode. That was kind of a cool montage, but it didn't feel super important from an Ed perspective. That's actually why I don't like the mannequin soldiers at all. I mean, they're of, they're an obvious easy target, but they just feel um, superfluous because, like you said, there's already stuff happening everywhere. There's plenty of smart, natural confrontations between characters happening. We don't need a gaggle of goons. They're an expector. An X-Factor gaggle of goons to bring everyone together. They illustrate the point of Colonel Mustang. Those soldiers are like, wait, who are these guys? You know what I mean? Like, the soldiers that are left, if there are any left, this is the side you're on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you're on the side of monsters. But you could also have done that through Sloth. I think they're cool and creepy, but where they lack for me is that all the enemies in this show are such interesting minds, and then to introduce a mindless enemy is more boring there's no escalation you know they add to the general oh shitness of the finale it does feel like the world's ending all these fights mirror each other where they're fighting they're fighting they're fighting things start to go wrong then third character shows up <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a good formula it's a great formula because <laughs> it just makes you cheer every time everyone has I'm good entrances of spit. Um, i am out of nettles <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. That's my favorite line from the episode. I'm out of spit. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm all out of saliva. <laughs> I wish I were part lion. <laughs> As a man who's constantly out of saliva, yeah, I understand. Real quick, I just want to point out the central soldiers are really dumb. 
because they're like, we're looking for an ice cream truck. Clearly, they cannot change their disguise. And not only did they change their disguise, they changed their disguise to look just as obvious as the ice cream truck. Like, check every truck. How about it? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I think it'd be funny if that truck were driving by and they were like, oh, yeah, have you tried that new pork place? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The friendly I, Oh, pig? I think I've heard of that. I thought it's pretty good. It's good. Pretty good. It's good. Beef jerky. I brought this, pork, this jerky. pork jerky. I brought this bag of pork jerky to USC. And it has a little pig on the front and the pig saying, it's good. <laughs> Which I thought was weird because it is pork. Yeah. Oh, it's just like the veal. Oh, God. Wow. It's Full circle. The metaphor Full circle. Eat me circle. To, save, to save pigs, you must consume my flesh. That's literally yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy plot point. But <laughs> there, that more, is, yeah. more quirky British sci-fi from Sam. Which brings us back to Doctor Who. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's my master plan. This episode is special because we have just begun season five, which means we have officially seen every single OP and ED that the show can offer. And as a result, I think it's time for us to do a ranking segment. Oh, I need Whoa. to... What? <laughs> <laughs> I need to see them all again, I think. So to get us started with the OPs, I'm going to give you guys my ranking because I thought a lot about this. Yes, me, the OP hater, thought a lot about this. So so take that into what? consideration before you just ignore. <laughs> you, you, don't you know I hate OPs? What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> I hate them, OPs. Yeah. Disgusting. I don't have a strong opinion on them one way or the other, but he hates them. You know what? Hold on a second. We had a discussion about this on like episode 14, 15, and all of you try to gaslight me into accepting that it's okay that OPs lie because every single opening of every single show lies. And it's like, no, that's bullshit. And I know it's bullshit because the best opening of all time, also known as the Animaniacs opening, does not lie at any point. <laughs> Everything they say on that opening happens on the show. I just want to put that out there at the beginning. <laughs> I think I they should be accurate to the show, actually. Or at least symbolic. They should be accurate within the context of what we're seeing. Yeah. How interesting. How interesting. The exceptions Arthur opens for his show. It should be accurate in context. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. All right. Here's my ranking of the OPs. And I just want to say, because I can feel people getting angry at me. I'm just exaggerating this for comedic purposes. Okay. Please don't kill me online. Oh, God. <laughs> so on number one, we have Rain, season five. Every time you skip it, it skips to the, like that final ending note of the guy going. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why that one is my number one is because it's very much a mood piece. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no rain in the central fight at all, and actually none of these characters are even remotely near each other, but it just works as a mood piece for the final season, you know? It's like... It's the best directed. And the song is actually my favorite. I like it as a song. Like, if I was listening to the radio, which I usually don't do, and that came on, I wouldn't be like, ugh. I'd be like, this is a good song. Second is Golden Time Lover. I'm a grump, and even I have to admit, Golden Time Lover is a fucking bop. It's so sick. <laughs> It's very frenetic, very exciting, so it's a really good like transition into the action. It's precisely why I hate it so much. <laughs> it is I, I honestly it is kind of fun. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> it was during the most like draggy part of the show that Golden Time Lover was heavily used. And also we took a lot of breaks in that time, so I feel like just the amount of times I've heard Golden Time Lover is way more than anything else. Third place for me has to be again. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Whatever that gets to that part where it's like, that part just loses me. I'm like, 
it just gets too <laughs> too much for me and it's like it gets into the whole op of like look at this cool fight that never happens in the show i, I just don't like that shit my heart uh, rate is going uh, hey you know what? no i fully disagree with what you were saying before i thought i agreed but number four period which is season four i'm okay with this song but the reason i put it this low is because like nothing in it happens almost nothing in it happens in the show there's no al and pride fight in big thunder mountain the wrath and grief fight was not on the rooftop lon fawn was never in the same vicinity oh, as andy no. sloth didn't fight the bricks people <laughs> debunked oh this is so wrong <laughs> when i complain about peace being lies this is what i'm talking about this show does not exist also <sighs> this song it ends and then it goes on for another verse like do and i'm just like just end on that first one i think you exist to oppose me i think you exist to oppose me i really do he <laughs> oh. exists to oppose us <laughs> number five for me is hologram season two i just really hate the song i have a gag reaction to Matito. i just i hate it the instant i hear that i just want to die the fights in it, it, it's everything I hate about anime OPs, where it's like, look at all these cool fights that never happen in the show, and it's never going to look as this good. It's all a complete lie. The song sucks. I don't like it. Those are my OPs. Oh, man. Anyway, wow. <laughs> me okay. next. First up, number one, Hologram by opening two. Nico touches really? the is my favorite. Oh, my, my God. My fucking favorite. <laughs> it is the most anime opening. Michelle wasn't wrong there. And it's a bit of one of those, um, let's show all the characters, you know? But I think it's too iconic and the action is too good to dismiss it. It doesn't do a lot of, here's what these characters are going through at this point in the series. Here's where their heads are at, which is what Rain and Golden Time Lover are really good at. But then I put it on, and then when that final verse comes back in, I can't not love it. It's just perfect synergy. I probably have the most opinions on this. <laughs> these are all yeah. high school adolescent anthems for me <laughs> anime openings my bread and butter um number two is golden time lover because it's just I see we agree on that it's sick it's probably the best directed it looks gorgeous every single shot is just the characters being the coolest possible version they could be and it's that point in the show where we're starting to look backwards into the past a good opening should at least have a theme always and golden time lover really does there were horrible sins committed in the past and here's where all our players are at because of the Ishvalan War. That's sick. Mm. Uh, number three is again by Yui because the song's gorgeous. Wow, we actually agree on two. Wait, you're going, you're going in ascending order. Are you saying, are you getting better or worse? These are getting slowly worse, but there okay, isn't, okay. to restate, there isn't a bad opening. In right, there's not a bad one. Brother. Right. No. no. In both series. <laughs> Ready, steady, go. Could pull one of these fucking things. Oh, no. Let's not do that. <laughs> Four, it's rain. It's a very out of character song for this band. This SID or Sid. They... <laughs> Look, I still love it. It's still a 9 out of 10. They're known for their very upbeat tracks. They did the first opening of Meiji, Labyrinth of Magic. And so this is the second I realized it was them, I was like, oh, okay. It's um one of those everyone is dead openings, which I really love. And Studio <laughs> Bones love doing them as well. Soul Eater has an ending where it's like your favorite character's dead, everyone's <laughs> hopelessly dead. But this one chooses to end with Ed peacefully on the bed next to Winry. It's a nice place to end it, it's a hopeful little last note. And last of all is uh, Period, but it's still excellent. Chemistry, a great band. There's nothing more to say about it. All right, <laughs> uh, now that you guys are done being wrong, it's uh, my turn. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is totally legitimate, both of you. Legitimately wrong, 
No, okay, <laughs> Number one is, again, I just think it's a really good song. It's got like ebbs and flows. It's got slow parts and fast parts. I think thematically it encompasses everything that my favorite part of the show, which is that first arc, is thematically awesome. It's like poetic. It's beautiful. It's just the best one. Number two is Period by Chemistry because I just think it's the best song, in my opinion. That's the one that gets me most excited for Fullmetal Alchemist. It's definitely like a fight anthem one, and I think the animation is pretty good. It's not as good as some of the other ones with that like blue and red crisscrossy thing. It's just very fun. It just gets me geared up. It is fun. It's a fight anthem, but it's also like really sad and bittersweet. It's like a really nostalgic part of the series. It's just sad. Yeah, it I find it a sad, fun opening. Number three is Golden Time Lover. I know that I've expressed some negative opinions about Golden Time Lover in the past, but that is mostly because I've heard it so many times and because it's so damn catchy. It has my respect <laughs> and it's well animated and cool. Number four is Hologram. It's like a pretty good song. It's pretty good animation. Doesn't have what the other ones have, but it's, it's not bad. Number five is Rain. I don't know, it, it's fine. It, it's fine. And that note at the end is really grating to me. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's it. Mine's going to be really fast. Mine's going to be really fast. Okay. I like the first one. I don't know what it's called. I like it. I think it's really great and instructional and it's very helpful to let you know what's going on, especially with a pilot that doesn't really do that. I really enjoyed that one. Like it's the only one that I actually have any emotions on whatsoever. The rest are kind of forgettable to me. They're fine. I don't really think about it that much. So you it's can funny just... because the, the other ones are when he moved in, so that's well, when... Well, it might be because you're just skipping them when we watch them, but... I'm saving you the trouble. But honestly, like, I've watched sometimes on my own, and I don't hate them. I don't have Michelle's like, I hate this. And I do kind of like having them on because it gets me in the mood to be like, oh, fun, yeah, let's watch this thing. I actually didn't realize they were changing them out until you guys started talking about it more like halfway through. I was like, oh, it's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I stopped paying attention to that. Chaotic <laughs> neutral. It's oh, mine and Michelle's polar Absolutely. opposites. Yeah. Like to me, it's like not really part of the show. You know, it, it's just extra stuff. You know. To me, they are the show, and then there <laughs> happens to be a bit of plot on the end of it. Oh wow, that is a different way of thinking about this. <laughs> and now it's time for the ranking of the EDs, but that's going to be exclusive to the extended edition of this podcast, which is available only to Patreon subscribers. We like to keep our show short and to the point, and we also want to give our Patreon subscribers a little extra to thank them for the support. So if you want to listen to our ranking of the EDs, go on down to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fmanalysts. For just $2, you'll listen to the extended cut of this episode, and you get to listen to our ranking of the EDs. I'm going to be quick about this because I can tell that I am not popular here. <laughs> Number one for me, let it out. I think the song is great. Uh, I wish the visuals were just as great, but it's just people standing in the wind. Um, I have let it out, <laughs> let it all out in my head for a long time. Second one is Seradate. Uh, this is not my favorite song, but I like that it focuses on Winry, who is kind of a, a character that gets more and more sidetracked as the show goes on. And so having an ending that's all about her kind of grounds the show whenever we end. Number three is Shunken. Or Shunken, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say this correctly. This is the tunnel one. This being something I very much like, which is when they start to play the ending songs before the episode ends. I like that. 
I, the reason it's down here, even though I do like this song, is because apart from the cool ass tunnel, visually, really nothing to offer. My number four is Ray of Light. Same problem as before. Visually, there's nothing much to offer, except to me, the song is less interesting than Shunken. And finally, number five, Uso slash Lie, the first one. I think the visual here is great. I love the little crayon drawings, and I think it's cool. But the song just does not match it at all to me. Like, it's... I see the visuals, and I imagine a completely different song that is kind of like whatever they're playing. Uh, when it comes to endings, I'm less passionate. The only one I'm, like, hard-driven on is Shunkan Sentimental. The tunnel one. <laughs> because it's so just, cool. It's the hype one. Also, so cool. I disagree. There's that, there's that amazing shot of all of the cast and, you know, the, the party that Ed and Al have, like, built up, where they're all, like, doing their thing, and then they, like, fly up onto the... And then when you see the whole party and they're just going, like, and they're all doing their thing, that really makes you appreciate the cast that they have built up and have spent so much time on. It's power. It's a power opening that makes me appreciate the secondary cast. Again, there's not really a bad one, but Ray of Light is affecting to me at the very least it's a nice song the ending is pretty static which isn't you know that's a negative point to my book but it's because i have so much investment in the backstory already that it works and it's so nice at the end of the series there's this last image that connects the end of the series up to the beginning of the series again that goes a long way for me the others pretty girl in a window pretty girl doing stuff Animation-wise, they're pretty even across the board, except for the first one, which I think is super cool. Because of how cool I think the crayon stuff is, Uso goes to number one. After that, I think Let It All Out, because it just leads to these really great lead-outs of episodes. Michelle's totally right, you really get that. Let it all out. Locked in your head. Next is the tunnel one, because it's just a pump-up jam, and we like it. Number five and three are tied. I really do like the Winry Day in the Life thing, and I think the last one is a really good song, but they're tied. I like them both a lot. Uh, I remember the Let It Out one, so and I don't remember any of the other ones, so I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think the Winry one is really good. I appreciate the point that's like she needs more of a spotlight in the series. Yeah. What would have really done her character a benefit was if it wasn't boring <laughs> if you've just given her a cool ending <laughs> i think that <laughs> those are our rankings so please if you disagree with us shut up i mean share them with on twitter <laughs> share your opinions on twitter <laughs> bring it around to the armstrong sloth fight i thought was really cool Ex except for the fact the twist that sloth is actually the fast one <laughs> i don't know I've always, even when I was like a teenager, I thought that was very stupid. And maybe it adds a dimension to the cool fight. I think it's very cool and gruesome when his mouth gets impaled with the spike. And I love the Armstrongs working together and fighting and like, it's nothing. I've just broken all my bones. I'm fine. But that was dumb. The, the thing with Sloth is he's nobody's favorite homunculus, so they had to give him something. <laughs> they couldn't make him the slowest one because we already thought that. <laughs> <laughs> they had to give him some effort. they all have a special power right like they all have one yeah, thing yeah and his powers being fast i mean what do you what what do you think it should have been everyone let's do some rapid fire it's like he can make a really good sandwich i don't know like <laughs> anything 
Mike. Yes. It might be a pain, but it's time for you to go out into the field and to take the bat and Mikey at the bat. Well, actually, I'm the fastest host, so I'm ready. This is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens next week's episode using only the title and the thumbnail. I'm ready. Mike, will you please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, Flame of Vengeance? Ah, Flame of Vengeance and Colonel Mustard with his white glove ready to snap is peering off to the side, kind of like he's going to burn a bitch. And I think he is. It's a bloodless coup. The idea, theoretically, is, you know, I guess shoot everybody in the leg. Don't shoot anybody, you know, like take over this thing. You know. So many people have already died. I think that's out the window. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think he's doing his best to make it that way. But I think that the nice thing about these zombies is we can kill as many of them as we want. And it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we can commit war crimes and they're not really war crimes because they're not really living beings. So it's fine. So I think they're they're here so that we can like watch the Spallans. Exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like almost, how you said exactly. I like. almost like ran to agree with you and, and really just <laughs> please no, no. feel terrible. Save about yourself. It. <laughs> Save yourself. And now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm giving this one four point five. My main issues with it were mostly from last episode, how that whole moral thing was not answered. But mm-hmm. overall, it had great moments. It had great fun. My grade for this episode is, I think, a four. The past two episodes, I really liked a whole lot. This one had some really cool fights, but I thought the writing was just a little more clumsy than it was in the past two. And there are a few moments that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. But overall... A lot of fun, really great, very expensive looking. I'm going to give it four stars. Neither enthusiastic nor unenthusiastic. A solid four. I'm glad the panda was here. For 30 seconds. We didn't get a panda talk (laughs) this episode, which means we might get two in the next one. No. If the panda's on screen for 20 seconds, you cannot justify a panda talk. The first one happened because he was on screen for 10 seconds. Well, (laughs) I'll give it a five. I'm a positive man. All right. Um, I've been really lucky to like book slots on two episodes that like come to mind when I think about Full Metal Workers Brotherhood. They mean a lot to me. I know nothing big happens in this one, but I wanted it because it's the big one that starts putting all the pieces in place. So it's great. Ed's Chimera party, they're in the thick of it. But we're starting to see the Mustangs and the Yokies and like even the Dr. Marcos file in and see, oh, they have a place in this finale. Like, you know how sometimes when you play D&D, you don't really do any role-playing? It's just one of those games where you spend the entire game kind of like talking with your buddies about killing this gosh-awful ogre dragons or whatever you... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you spend the whole session just gaming it, you know what I mean? And uh, I personally <laughs> don't always love that. I much prefer role-playing in D&D, but there's times where you just have, like, this great battle See, You just have a great time. And whether or not the plot arcs were perfect that got you there, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're there and you have so much fun. And I think that was kind of this episode, right? Like, it was just like, uh, it's just great. It was just fun. <laughs> Last time I was here, Michelle made a good point about the mid-series starting to become a bit more standard shonen. But I think it's the way Arakawa uses and values her secondary cast. Mm. That's proof that this isn't a shonen. It's not Naruto or Bleach, you know? I'm a lion. Everyone is here very <laughs> intentionally. And I'm intentionally great. a lion. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Especially the lion. 
You have to get your bodies back. It's why we did all this to begin with. <laughs> Edward, remember. Remember what your the... mother said to me, Edward. <laughs> <laughs> when I killed her, I had to. <laughs> what? Lion. She told me to. It was the only way. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love you, Edward. <laughs> I love you too, Lion Man. What is this bit? <laughs> He's like always been there. He's like part of the plot. <laughs> such a weird bit. Ah, uh, we meet again, Van Hohenheim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You perhaps forget about the other flask with the little lion in it. <laughs> that lion was the... me. <laughs> My favorite. No, one more, one more. One more. Okay, go, go, go. <laughs> I don't know. My, my favorite opening is the one with the lion man. His one. Perhaps you Come are the on. oldest homunculus, but I am the oldest lion character. <laughs> this is too fun. He yes. opens. Uh, Edward goes through the gate, and it's the lion waiting on the other side. I have to save my lion people from Shing. <laughs> I'm actually not a homunculus, but I'm from Shing. Oh, just wait till you guys get to the OVAs. It's lion about, man all over it. Is it possible to be an immortal lion? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's proper fleshed out in this bit, isn't he? <laughs> Sorry. So How dare you fun. call me a short lion? Wait, I don't even know. I'm just... <laughs> You know, he's just stealing. And now we've reached the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. So I'd like to take this moment to thank our guests for coming. Thank you so much, Samuel. It's been a pleasure having you here. Absolute joy. We're going to be in something very soon, aren't we? We are. Please plug it away. I've been doing a series of commentaries recently where I get on a guest and they pick an episode of Who and we just shoot the shit. It's this! But for Doki Who. And that should be out uh, around the same time as this, right? Yeah, yeah, it show. should. Let's say yes. <laughs> and let's just in case Adam no. Just in case. <laughs> it's the year 2024. A race of lion men have taken over Earth. <laughs> the episode still hasn't come out. <laughs> my channel is just my surname, D-A-V-I-S, full caps. That's as far as my social media footprint should go. I'm on Twitter, but trust me, you don't want to see that. I'm on lion Twitter. <laughs> Samuel, before you go, can you please do your best Full Metal Alchemist just like Nintestitials? Full Metal Alchemist. No, I did that voice last time. <laughs> <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist. Is that the lion? It's <laughs> <laughs> like my own OC I've been working on. He's, he's, he's related to the lion, but he's not the dude, you know? And if you don't want to be a lion, whatever that means, I honestly don't know. Don't forget to follow <laughs> us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe yeah. to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. Yeah. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. And maybe lions. <laughs> We'd also yes. like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillastrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. Did you say Patreon? No. That's <laughs> right. You can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash FM, the word analysts. That's Rawr. FM analysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Goodbye. Until then. 
Stay frosty, everyone. <laughs> Love you, lion. Bye. <laughs> that was amazing.